listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're talking about the most important thing that I believe you could ever hear, which is how to be led by the Spirit of God. Um, we're, we're starting, by the way, with the text Romans 8, 14, which I believe truly, if you, had, if you don't have this highlighted, marked, whatever, you've got to get this in your spirit. Because this is what Paul's saying to the church of Rome, that all, I'm going to read it, Romans 8, 14, all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. All who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. This is not something just for the elite or, you know, the ministers only or the pastors or the evangelists, whatever. This is for every believer to be led by the spirit of God. And it's one of the most powerful and I think the most powerful tool we have for as spirit-filled believers because as I said a moment ago, imagine being able to live for the rest of your life and never make a wrong decision again. Imagine living for the rest of your life and always being right in the middle of what God wants you to do and where he wants you to be. It's amazing. I mean, literally it changes your whole life when you see that when you're in the middle of God's will for your life, the blessings fall. You know, it's interesting because God won't force you to be in his will. That's why we have a free will. We can make our own choices if we want to. We can reject God's instructions if we want to, or we can follow them. God is a gentleman. He's not going to make you follow the voice of his spirit, but he will let you hear it. And then you can choose, you know what? I'm going to humble myself and follow God's instruction. See, the reason I say humble myself is because pride says, no, I know better than God. I can make decisions for my own life. I don't need to hear what he has to say. But that would be just as dumb as if you were driving somewhere and you turned on Google Maps and you had the GPS going because you don't know how to go where you're going. And then the thing gives you an instruction. It's like, in 300 feet, turn right. You're like, shut up. Don't you talk to me. I'll make my own decisions. I'll get there on my own. Nobody does that. Because they know, I don't know how to go where I'm going. That's why I put the destination in Google Maps. That's why I'm using that tool. So nobody yells at their phone. Nobody screams at, you know, Google Assistant or Siri or whoever, you, whatever phone you have. It, nobody screams and says, stop telling me what to do. You don't know me. They don't, nobody does that. Because we know I need the help. I need the directions. I need the instruction. And so the same is true with God, that when God begins to speak to you, pride says, I don't need to listen to your voice. I can do it on my own. But humility says, I don't know how to get where I'm going. I don't know how to walk into the blessings of God. I need an instruction from heaven. I need to hear his voice. I want him to direct my life. And that's why I say that it's humility, it's meekness. And the sons of God, those that are part of the body of Christ, we are led by the spirit of God. Can you say amen? amen. And so it's important to be led by the spirit of God. And, you know, it's, I tell these stories for, for young people that, you know, no matter what grade you may be in, no matter what portion of life you may be living in today, you know, at any moment 
that you don't have to be a certain age to be led by God's spirit. I, you know, you can be led by the spirit at a, a very young age, very young age. I can remember even when I was getting ready to go and I've, I've shared this story and it makes, makes me happy every time I think of the fact that I made the right decision. But when I was in high school, you know, I was getting ready to choose which Bible school I was going to go to. And it was kind of, for me, it was like a no brainer because like my whole family that's in ministry, my grandfather and grandmother, all my uncles, my father, my mother, all my cousins at that time, anybody was older than me, they had all gone to one Bible school. And it was a Bible school up in um, Rhode Island. Now it's in Massachusetts. But I was like, yeah, man, that's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to go where all my family went. And, you know, at the time, my cousin Jonathan was there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go and be his roommate. We're going to have fun. It's going to be great and all this stuff. And uh, I had already had my application filled out for that college. And um, so I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then I heard a word from the Lord. I got this, my father brought home this pamphlet from another school. It was like a booklet advertising another Bible school. And I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I already know where I'm going. I don't need to look at any other. I said, you know, I'm going to go where dad, where you went, mom went, and grandfather went, and all my cousins, all that. I, I know where I'm going. And my dad said, well, it wouldn't hurt to pray about it. And I said, no, I guess it wouldn't. So I took the booklet to, to high school and I had it with me with my books all day. And I was in my locker, take it out. I'd walk around with it, kind of look at it. And I prayed. I started praying. And as I'm praying and praying, I hear the Lord start to speak to me. You're not supposed to go to that other school up in New England. You are supposed to go to this school that's in Oklahoma. And so I'm, the more I'm praying, the more I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. This is the decision you need to make. This is the place that you need to be. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, I can't, I, nobody else in my family has ever gone to this school. I don't know anybody out there. I'm not familiar with Oklahoma. I don't know anything about Tulsa. I've never, you know, I don't know. It seems uncomfortable. It seems like out in the middle of nowhere where I've got no connections. You know, that's not a, that's not a comforting thought. Like, especially when you're like 17 years old, you're like, I'm getting ready to move away from home a thousand miles away or whatever it is to this place. And I don't know anybody there. This is a whole new experience. And, and I've never even, so it had to take faith to obey the instructions of the Lord. But you know what I did when I got home, I ripped up the other application to the school up, up North, threw it away. And I filled out a new application to go to the school in Oklahoma. And uh, when we got out there, as I got there, I started to see that all of the experiences that I were, that I was having were actually confirming God's word that blessing after blessing was falling. So let me give you an example. We got there. I had no place to stay. God started leading us by his spirit from the beginning. I was like, well, we got to get an apartment. And somebody that my family knew said, well, I know a lady uh, and her name is, you know, we'll call her Jane because I can't actually remember her name. It was, well, I only met her like twice, but her name was Jane. The, the family's like, I know, I know a, a lady that, that owns an apartment complex out there where you're going. And, uh, and the, and the person actually said this to us, you know, I just can't remember the name of her complex or like where it's located, but you know, it's like, well, why did you even tell me that? It's like, I know a person that owns an apartment complex. Not helpful. So it was, he said, her name's Jane, but I can't remember, you know, where it's at or anything. I said, well, cool. I mean, I don't know how else do you respond to that? So we go to breakfast and they were like, let's go. My dad and I, my mom, uh, we're like, let's go look for apartments for you to go to, to rent, to, to stay here for college. So we start driving and then we get lost. 
We actually get lost in the city and we put, we turn in and here's an apartment complex in a place called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We pull in to the apartment complex to ask for directions. We go into the main office of the apartment complex and we look and there's this lady sitting there that owns the apartment and the name on the plaque, Jane. It's the very lady that the guy told us about that he knew, his friend, that owned an apartment complex. And here she is. She said, I've got a perfect place for you. We go over. It's wonderful. It's exactly what I need. Me and my roommate move in. So we go in. And then uh, we were at breakfast at Cracker Barrel. One of the greatest men of God ever, Brother R.W. Shambach, was sitting at breakfast. And he said, before you go out looking for a job, I'm going to pray a blessing on you. So I was like, thank you, Jesus. So I lifted my hands, and right there we were. Brother Shambach laid his hands on me. He said, Lord, give him the best paying job in the city he could possibly have. And he laid his hands on me, and, and then we left. And we went out and started putting in applications. Well, we went to the mall. And I get to the Woodland Hills Mall, and we go in, and I'm putting in applications in all these stores in the mall. And then all of a sudden, I, we see a, a, like a suit store, a men's suit store. I was like, that'd be a good place. So if, if I'm in Bible school, got to be a preacher, be good to get discounts on suits. I'll work there. So I get ready to go put my application in. As I'm walking into the store, one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the world walks out. His name was T.L. Osborne. If you've never seen any of his crusades or his meetings or have never heard of him, it would be worth Googling, YouTubing them, the man. He held mass crusades in over 76 nations of the world. When I say mass crusades, I'm talking about like where there were 500,000, 800,000 people on fields where he would preach, sometimes over a million. Power of God would use him. Think about this. As he'd be preaching, people would just get healed and start passing wheelchairs over the crowd, crutches, braces. People just get healed instantly as he's preaching the gospel. And uh, literally, he just walks out of the store while I'm walking in. A divine appointment. Everybody say that phrase, divine appointment. If you're watching online, put that phrase into the comments, divine appointment. One of the things you'll see as you're led by the spirit of God is that there will be divine appointments that God will set you up meeting the perfect people, seeing the perfect thing happen. It'll be divine. It's divine appointments. And so T.L. Osborne walks out of that suit store. He's holding suits that he just bought because he was getting ready to go overseas to preach a pastor's conference. And uh, he recognized my father and he came over and he said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, we brought our son uh, to Bible school here. He's getting ready to go to Ramah and uh, he's out putting um, job applications in to get a job. He said, really? And you know, if you, you'd have to understand how he spoke, you know, he, he spoke very, in a very odd way, but he looked at me and he said, wow, young man, lift up your hands. Just like that. And so here I am. If you've never seen him, he looks like the Monopoly guy. He had like the, the mustache and the beard. And he was red hair. And he said, young man, lift up your hands. And we're standing like right next to the food court in the mall. You know, it's like I can smell Chinese food. And I'm like lifting my hands in the middle of the mall. And one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the world. Now understand something. I was called into evangelism at five years old. And so God knew who, need, who I needed to be with, be next to, meet. And it was a blessing to be with my father who not only traveled all around and I got to meet all these people. And, but it's amazing the impartation that flows down. Think about it. At breakfast, 
Brother Shambach, one of the greatest evangelists in our generation, lays hands on me. At lunch, T.L. Osborne, the, one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the world, lays hands on me. He said, young man, lift up your hands. I'm like lifting my hands on the food court. He's laying hands on me, and the power of God hit me. He said, Lord, it's awesome. He prayed what Brother Shambach prayed in the morning. Let him find the best paying job that he could possibly have in the city. And so for me, that would have had to been a miracle, you know, because like I've got no work experience at all. You know, I didn't, I never worked any jobs before I was, I had, I was 17 and had just turned 18 to move out there in August. You know, like, you know, my birthday was a couple of days ago. So I'm out there in August. I've got no work experience. I mean, like the only thing I've ever done was cut grass in my neighborhood. And then like, Sometimes I'd go down to my dad's office and he would have like, you know, a cassette tape series of his preaching that I would pack into boxes, close them, and then like tape them shut. That's not something awesome to put on a resume. You're like, what work experience have you had? I will be the best box taper that you've ever had work at this store. He's like, we don't need any box tapers. So it's like no work experience, no resume. And so I got back put all those applications in. Now it's nighttime. I get, I'm, I'm there in my parking lot of my apartment complex and I'm get, I'm unloading my uh, car into the, into the new apartment we just got led by the spirit of God. And as I'm doing that, a guy walks across the parking lot to me and he goes, Hey, what are you doing? Unload you moving in. I said, yeah. And he said, uh, what are you doing here in, in Oklahoma? He said, I said, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to start as a student at Rama Bible Training Center. He said, dude, that's awesome. I'm a student at Rama Bible Training Center. He's like, next thing he asked, he's like, have you found a job yet? I was like, no, I, ha- I haven't found any, any work yet. I put applications in. He's like, listen, you need to go and put an application in where I work. I was like, oh, well, where's that? He said, it's a place called Metris. And, you know, he didn't really explain too much what it was. And, and I found out later, I would be like on the phone all day collecting credit card debt for MasterCard. I was like, excellent job. And so I go down. He said, they're, they're paying really good money for, for, uh, for people to, uh, to, to join up. They need more workers. I said, well, I'll go down there tomorrow and put an application in. And think about this. I go the next day, put a suit and tie on, shine my shoes up. I go down. I sit in the office of Metris. And this is just making me laugh because, like, I'm sitting in a corporate office as an 18-year-old with no job experience, looking around thinking, like, I'm not even qualified to be here. Why am I even here? I fill out the application just thinking it's a long shot. Maybe they'll let me do something. Maybe not. And so the, the guy reads it. And steps out and looks at me in the waiting room. And he says, don't leave. He said, I'm not going to call you back. I'm going to interview you right now. I was like, ooh, that sounds good. You know, we went from, we went from uh, just application to interview. So now he says, come into this room. So I walk in, you know, my suit and tie, 18 years old. And I was like, he said, sit down and let's talk for a minute. He goes, now he, he didn't really ask me too much about what I could do, which I thought was weird. He just kind of figured You'll be able to do whatever we do here. But he asked me a question at the table, which I didn't know if this is like a common question, but he's like, how much money would you like to make? I was like, that's a great question. And the, the, the guy that I talked to in the parking lot uh, had already told me, he's like, man, yeah, he's like, remember, this is like 20 years ago in the year 2000. So back then, imagine, he goes, yeah, I'm making like $10 an hour. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's awesome. Now remember this, in context, gas costs 98 cents a gallon in 2000 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, that, that's just for your context. 
He said, I'm making like $10 an hour. Well, I'm competitive. So when the dude was like, how much money would you like to make? I wanted to at least beat that guy. So I was like, $10.50 an hour. I thought I was going to have to haggle it. You know, like, oh, no, we'll give you $10.25. He was like, done, you can have it. And then literally hired me right on the spot with no work experience. I had just had two great men of God pray over me and say, God, give him the best paying job he could possibly have in the city. And then the job, the best that I could have possibly had, I got in the same, uh, literally within hours. Prayed for me that evening. The next morning I got the job. I started working. Can I tell you what God did for me with no work experience? Unknown in my mind. I started getting so blessed at that job. I can't even give you. Now think about this. How many have ever heard somebody tell stories about when they're in college or Bible school and it's like, we didn't have any money. We were eating Raymond, you know, ramen noodles. How many have heard stories like that? You know, I was scraping by all this. I can't give you that kind of a story because it was not my experience because I was right in the middle of God's will. God just started blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. All of a sudden I start making all this money through this job. Then you know what they started doing? They started dropping all these bonuses on me. So then they'd come up to my desk and be like, you did a great job this month. Here's an extra $500 cash. And here's an extra $700. And here's an extra $300. All this stuff. I'm 18. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I keep getting blessed. Divine appointments. Somebody shout divine appointments. Divine appointments. So as you're in the middle of the will of God for your life, the blessing of God follows the will of God. I want you to write that down, put it in the comments, and say it with me. The blessing of God follows the will of God. Say it again. The blessing of God follows the will of God. Now listen to Psalm 127 and verse number 1. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain which means their work is worth nothing. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That means if God's not doing it, if he's not in it, then it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. So I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing in life, God is in it. I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, God has directed it. Because if he directs it, guess what? The blessing's going to be on it. If he commands it, he will provide for it. If he leads you, he'll feed you. That's how it works. God's not required to pay for something he didn't order. Can you imagine going to like a restaurant and then like when you, you know, you just like order a quesadilla and that's what you had for your meal. And then when the bill comes, it's like you look down the, it's like $120, like $120. I just got a quesadilla. And then you look at the bill. It's like quesadilla, steak, dinner, soup, salad, appetizers, dessert. And you look at the waitress like, I didn't order any of that stuff. No, but we want you to pay for it though. No, I'm not paying $120 when all I got was a quesadilla. You're not required to pay for what you didn't order. Amen. And the same is true with God. He's not required to pay for what he did not order. If he didn't order you to do it, he's not required to pay for it. And so the blessing of God follows the will of God. See, this is why it's so important for you to be led by the spirit. Because if you're led by the spirit, then also the provision of God follows you throughout your whole life. When you're doing what he asked you to do, then he's the one who provides for what you're about to do. Amen.
And so there's ways that you can be led by God's spirit. And I want to just touch on a few ways so that you understand, because it's wonderful to know I should be led by the spirit, but it's a whole nother thing to know how to be led by the spirit. Amen. And so I want to give you a few practical steps and avenues to know how you can be led by the spirit of God. Obviously we live in the new Testament. This is new Testament times we're in right now in the old Testament. They did not have the Holy spirit living in them nonstop. Like we do today, their bodies could not handle it. They weren't new creatures in Christ Jesus. So Jesus said it this way. I can't put new wine into old wine skins because they'll burst. And the same thing was true. You can't pour the Holy spirit into a body that's not saved. You have to be saved first. Then you're filled with the Holy spirit. So understand in the new Testament, every one of us is filled with the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit lives in us. So we have the ability to hear from God at any given moment. I want you to say that I can hear from God at any moment. Say it again. I can hear from God at any moment. So here's what I want you to catch today. In the old Testament, they were dependent upon prophets speaking to them. Maybe an angel appearing to them. It had to come from the outside because they didn't have anything on the inside. But in the New Testament, we've got something on the inside and he can speak to us. The Bible says that we have the spirit of truth. That's the Holy Ghost. And that when he comes, by the way, if you need the reference for this, it's the gospel of John chapter 16. And I'm going to read to you uh, verse number 13. Listen to this. The Bible says, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, remember this was written before the day of Pentecost. Jesus is speaking before he dies. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So notice what Jesus is talking about. The Holy Ghost is going to come on the day of Pentecost and he will guide you into all truth. Any truth you need to be guided into any area of your life, the Holy Spirit will tell you how to get there. So the number one way, understand this, as a believer, the number one way that we are led by the Spirit is what he tells us personally in our spirit. We have to hone our lives to be able to hear the voice of God. Oh man, listen to this and and write it in your notes. God is always speaking It's just that people aren't always listening. You know, people, you know, you've ever heard somebody say something like this. I don't know why God's been so quiet. I've not been able to hear. You never heard people talk like that. He's been so quiet. He's not been speaking to me. No, no. God's always speaking. It's just that people aren't always listening. God's always speaking. It's just that people aren't always listening. Let me give you an example. You all, I'm sure, have a phone. Can you imagine... Or has, has this ever happened to you where you'd be, you'd be like maybe in a car driving, somebody's driving you somewhere and you're having a conversation with somebody via text message and you're texting back and forth and you're like talking about something that's pretty important. And as you're talking, all of a sudden they're like not responding to you anymore. And you're like, what the heck? That's like, I'm, I'm offended by that. We were having a very important conversation. Now I'm writing all this stuff and they're not texting me back. 
and you're like getting upset at your friend, like why won't they text me back? But then you look up at the top and you, the person who's driving, you drove to a place where there was no signal. Have everybody had that happen? And you're like, oh, it's just, oh, it's not that they're not texting me back. I've just got no signal on my phone right now. And then all of a sudden, when your phone gets back into signal, all these texts drop through on your phone. It's like ding, 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 all at once. They were texting you, but you just weren't connected to signal. Man, I'm preaching. Hear this today. God is speaking, but if you don't connect to signal, then you'll not receive the messages that he's trying to send to you. And what happens is people get so caught up in their flesh. People get so caught up in the natural realm that they're not connected to heaven's signal. They're missing the messages. It's not that God's not speaking. It's not that he's not sending messages. It's that we're not connected to signal to receive what he's saying. So what do we have to do in order to be connected to heaven's signal so that we can hear the messages? Well, the thing that fights back against your spirituality is your flesh nature. Catch that. It is your flesh nature. It's your natural self. And actually, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians. You know what he said to them? Listen to this. I'll read it to you. I want you to mark the reference in your notes. It's Galatians 5 and verse 16 and 17. Galatians 5 verses 16 and 17. Put the reference in the uh, comments as well. Listen to what he said to them. He said, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now catch verse 17 because this is very important. Very, very important. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You see that the flesh fights against the spirit. Like for example, that guy, Willis McGee that just jumped on YouTube that just commented, he's going to manipulate the word of God and try to ask you for money. So Willis, let me just say, that sounds like to me that you want to sow a seed into our ministry. So if you'd like to, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash give Willis and just click the button and there's a form that'll come up. And thank you, Willis McGee, McGahee, sorry. Um, thank you, Willis McGahee, for becoming a partner with our ministry and for sowing a monthly seed. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you for pushing this ministry forward to see souls saved. God bless you very much for doing that. So the flesh fights against, I'm trolling trolls, F flesh fights against the spirit. It, it, you know, it never, it never fails. And let me tell you this, I don't care how old you get, you could be 70 years old if Jesus tarries, your flesh will still fight against your spirit. It never stops fighting. There are two forces that are opposed to each other. The flesh is always opposed to the spirit. And, and, and think of it this way. Until the day that the rapture happens and your body is glorified by God, because that's what will happen. We'll have glorified bodies. But until that day, our flesh will fight against the spirit. And so what did Paul say was the remedy to get around this because you have to have a remedy or else you'll never be able to do what you want to do spiritually because your flesh will always fight against it. So Paul had a remedy for this that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. 
Listen to what Paul said. And now remember when he's saying this, he's saying it about himself and he's the most powerful apostle in the New Testament. I mean, outside of Jesus, and we asked before we went live, I asked the question that I tweeted today. I asked everybody here that's in the church, I said, uh, who would you who would you want, if you could only listen to one preacher for the rest of your life, dead or alive, who would that preacher be? Well, two great answers were given, Jesus and Paul. It's not really fair like you know, when those were the two people that basically gave us the Bible. So, uh, But think about this. Paul, the most powerful apostle in the New Testament, says this about himself. What does he say? He said, verse 27, I discipline my body and keep it under control. You see that? Look at this. The Greek actually says it this way. I make my body a slave. Think about that. He said, I discipline my body and I keep it under control or make it a slave so that after having preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Well, disqualified from what? From heaven. You know what he's saying? If I don't keep my own flesh under, then I could preach to other people my whole life, but not be living for Jesus. And at the end of my life, go to hell. So I keep my flesh under. I tell it to do what it should. Think about that. What he was saying. Now, doesn't this, doesn't this blow your mind that Paul says, I keep my flesh. You know what he's saying? Think about that for a second. I keep my flesh. It's like him saying this, I clean my shoes. Well, let me ask you a question. Are your shoes you or are your shoes your shoes? Do you take your shoes to the doctor? Like when it's time for a checkup? Say, after you've checked me, also check my shoes. They're also me. No, your shoes are a different thing than you. So isn't it interesting how Paul says this? I keep my flesh under as though as if to say, my flesh is not the real me. Oh, hallelujah. My flesh is not the real me. My spirit is the real me. That's the thing that's eternal. That's the thing. Your flesh can die, but your spirit can never die. Oh, hallelujah. And so what did he say? I keep my flesh disciplined. That's what he's saying. My spirit's in control of my life and it keeps my flesh under control. That's why he said to the Galatians, if you'll walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That shows you, you can walk in the spirit. And so there are daily disciplines. I want you to write this down. There are daily disciplines that keep your flesh under. What can you do as a Christian to keep your flesh disciplined? Well, number one, you have to pray on a daily basis. You got to pray on a daily basis. If you don't pray, you're missing that connection with heaven's signal. See, this is a mistake a lot of people make. They think prayer is a one-sided conversation. They think prayer is just you talking to God, talking to God, talking to God, talking to God. But how many people would actually like to talk to somebody that just does all the talking? How irritating is that if you have a conversation with somebody, but they never let you talk, they just talk. And every time you start to try to talk, they talk more and cut you off. That's annoying. Nobody wants to have a conversation with somebody like that, that doesn't let you talk. And that's why prayer is not one-sided. Listen to this, and I want you to put it in the comments. I want you to write it in your notes. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. 
Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. And in fact, the most important part of prayer is not what you say to God, it's what he says to you. Woo, hallelujah. The most important part of prayer is not what you say to God, it's what he says to you. Amen. I want to hear from him because if I hear from him, then I've got, see this thing that we're talking about being led by the spirit. You can't be led by the spirit if you can't hear the spirit. So what do I do? I keep myself in a constant relationship of prayer with the Lord because I don't just want to talk to him. I want him to talk to me. See, when you love somebody, you want to hear their voice. That's why, like even when I was dating my wife, Carolyn, you know, we're so in love and we get on the phone at night and we'd be talking to each other and that's where you get this kind of stuff. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up. No, you hang up first. <sighs> Gets real creepy when you fall in love. Put the phone on the pillow. I want to hear you breathe as you fall asleep. <sighs> you don't want to get off the phone. When you, when you love somebody, you don't want to get off the phone. You don't want to stop talking. You want to hear what they have to say. You know, it's like guys, we become, you know, you know what guys do? We become super interested in stuff. We were never interested in when we get a girlfriend. It's like, wow, never heard of anything so amazing. That's awesome. Tell me more about eyebrow threading. That's so cool. Wish my eyebrows were threaded. And then you do it. You're like, ah, yeah. You love somebody. You want to talk to them. You want to hear their voice. You want, you, you understand? And it's the same thing when you are in love with the Lord. I don't just want to talk to him. I want him to talk to me. That's the most important point. I want to hear his voice. And when I hear his voice, I am now empowered to take steps because his voice is a voice of instruction. Hallelujah. And when he speaks, I know which way to go. And when I know which way to go, that's where the blessing is. That's where the increase is. That is where the healing is. That's where my purpose is. See, and that's why I want to hear his voice. I want to know what God wants me to do. It's funny because even when I was younger and still to this day, if I meet anybody, any man of God or woman of God, that God has powerfully used them in their life, I always ask them a question. I say, if you could go back in time and tell the 20-year-old or 30-year-old version of yourself one thing you've learned after all these years, what would be the instruction you'd give the younger you? Do you know almost every single one of them gives me the same exact answer? Blows my mind. Because some of them don't even know each other. They haven't talked, they haven't discussed the answer, but they say the same thing. You know what it is? I would go back and tell the younger me to pray, hear the voice of God, and then only do the things he tells you to do. Don't do anything outside of that. Do only the thing he tells you to do. You know why? People get in trouble when they start making their own plans for their life.
instead of following God's plans for their life. Only do what he tells you to do. And they all, like 99.9% of them tell me that same thing. Why? Because when God leads you and guides you, he takes you into a place of supernatural blessing. He empowers you to carry out your purpose and he gives you the provision to do it. I don't want to make up my own destiny. I don't want to make up my own future. I want to hear what the Lord is saying, and I want to do that. So one of the, what are the ways that we do that? We have to keep disciplines intact in our life. Prayer is a major discipline of the believer. It's the thing Jesus did all the time. You know, Jesus, if he was going to be used by his father, he would have had to hear from his father. What did he say? He said this, I don't speak on my own. I don't just say whatever I want to say. I say what I hear the father say. Think about that. He said, I only say what I hear my father say, which means the moment he stopped hearing from his father, he was a mute. Think about that. The moment he stopped hearing from his father, he had nothing to say. So what did he do? He would get up early before the dawn and he would pray and he would get in time with the Lord and God would download words for him and what he would do for the people and give him empower him to minister and to heal the sick. Sometimes Jesus would pray all through the night, the Bible says, Luke 6. And there were always times where he'd, he would leave the crowd. He would leave the crowd and he would go and pray, get by himself and pray. That's why it's so important. We see it modeled by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was a man of prayer. Hallelujah. Somebody shout a man of prayer. Now say it this way. I am going to be a person of prayer. That's right. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to be somebody who prays and hears the voice of God. If you'll pray, if you'll get into his presence. Now, let me give you another thing to add on to your prayers. Obviously, this is something you can't do every day, but there should be times throughout your year that you do it. It's fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Let me tell you why fasting and prayer is so important. It's like a supplement to your prayer. You know why? Because sometimes people's flesh is loud and strong. And sometimes people can't hear the voice of their spirit because they've spent so much time strengthening their flesh that they can't hear the spirit. And so what do they do? What, what do you have to do as a Christian? You have got to take that flesh and put it under. You have to, as Paul said, discipline that flesh. Let me tell you, there ain't no other faster way to weaken your flesh than to not give it calories. I'm going to be very honest with you. That doesn't sound very spiritual. Oh, it's very spiritual. Because that's what the Bible teaches, fasting and prayer. I'm not talking about fasting social media. I'm not talking about fasting the internet. I'm not talking about fasting television, not fasting Netflix. I'm not talking about that. The Bible way, when you fast, you don't eat food. There is no faster way to weaken the flesh than to fast and pray. And Jesus taught it. He said, my disciples, when I leave the earth, they will fast. There should be times. If, I'm if you're serious about being led by the spirit of God, there will be times that you're to fast and pray. And when you do, God will begin to speak to you. That flesh gets out of the way. It's like that spirit man is so more open. You can feel that, that uh, it's like it's loose. You can feel it alive. The flesh is no longer hampering the thing that God wants to do in your life.
So fasting and prayer. Another way you can be led by the Spirit, so the first is you can hear the voice of God for yourself. And the reason I gave you that first, and I want you to hear this, is so that you understand, even if somebody tries to come to you and tell you something that's from the Lord, if it doesn't confirm in your own spirit that that's from God, then don't receive it. Don't receive it because there's a lot of people that would love to prophesy you out of what God would have you to do. I remember, when, you know, it's like people don't understand that every time somebody says, the Lord said to me, it's not, it's not always the Lord. It's like when my dad first went to Bible school, he was coming across the courtyard of his Bible school and this girl came up to him and my dad's very kind. He said, now listen, nobody is ugly. There's no ugly people, but this girl was close. And she came up and she looked right at him and she said, like this is very, very, at the very beginning of his time in Bible school. And she looked right at him and she said, the Lord told me that you're supposed to marry me. It's like, oh, Jesus, Lord Jesus. My dad said, I said to the Lord, God, if this is really your instruction, I'm going to become a Buddhist. And so. And so he said, the Lord, but he's sitting there thinking, what can I say to this girl? Because now she's pulling the God card on me. God told me this. He told me you're supposed to marry. So what am I supposed to say? He said, Lord, give me something that I can say back to her. And this is what he said. He said, when the Lord tells me, I'll tell you. Think about that. You know why? Because God doesn't just speak to one or just a few. He speaks to all of us. And I'm never going to let somebody just come prophesy my future to me and push me into something God never called me to do because they said, thus says the Lord. If God didn't tell me, then it's not my responsibility to carry it out. In fact, in the New Testament, think about this. In the New Testament, we are not led by prophets. We're led by the Spirit. Write that in your notes. You need to hear it. In the Old Testament, they were led by prophets because they weren't filled with the Spirit. But in the New Testament, we are not led by prophets. We're led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. I mean, I want you to catch this because, remember, that was the whole point of when Jesus was crucified. Does anybody remember what happened in the temple? There was a curtain there that separated the most holy place from everybody else. Does anybody remember what happened when Jesus was crucified? It was torn into two pieces. Now, we all know you couldn't just go into the most holy place unless you were the priest. Nobody could go in there. That's where God's presence dwelt. So you couldn't just walk in, do everything you want. They actually had to have the priest go in there, and, and that's who only one was allowed. But... This is what God was saying. Now that Jesus has died for your sin and made you a kingdom of priests, I'm tearing that thing open and letting my spirit out into the world. And now every person, the Bible says this about us, that we are kings and priests. Somebody shout, I'm a priest unto God. If you are, you know what that means? He just qualified you to be in his presence at all times. And now it's not just the Levitical priest that could walk in. Every one of us can be in the presence of God.
So we're not, we don't anymore have to be led by prophets. We're led by the spirit of God. He can speak to us. My father has said it this way for so many years. God does not have an unlisted phone number. You can call him for yourself. You can speak to him for yourself. You don't have to wait for the pastor to tell you what to do, a prophet to tell you what to do, an evangelist to tell you what to do. He can speak to you individually. And that's important to understand. It should be the first way that a mature believer hears from the Lord. You're in danger if you're always waiting for somebody else to tell you what you should do. Because then your life is guided by other people and not the spirit. And let me tell you, many times other people have their own agenda for your life. I.e., the Lord told me you're supposed to marry me. You understand? So be led by the spirit. Number two. We're led by the word of God. Every day you should be reading this Bible. Every day. Not this one. This one's mine. You read your own. But I mean, every day you should be in the word of God. This word is life. Jesus actually said in John 6, 63, the words that I give you, they are spirit and they are life. So this word is spiritual life. This word is spiritual life should be reading it every single day. And God will speak to you through his written word. As you read it, things will come off the page because it's alive. This Bible's alive. It's not dead. It's not just printed words on a page. It is the living, breathing word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. And so catch this. As you're reading the word, the word will speak to you. Let me give you an example of how this could work. This this is a practical example of how this could work. Imagine, for example, you're dating somebody that's not saved. You're saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're dating somebody that's not saved, and you think to yourself, well, it's all right, you know, I'll I'll win them to Jesus, and I'll French kiss them into the kingdom, you know, whatever you're thinking. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you're reading the word one day, and you start reading 2 Corinthians 6. And then you get to verses 14 through 18. And then you start reading and the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And so you start to read those passages where Paul is directly commanding those in the Corinthian church and all believers uh, uh, after that, that they should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Well, no pastor had to tell it to you, but as you read it, you, that thing jumps off the page and then your heart starts feeling convicted. You're like, oh man, I, I'm starting to realize that this relationship I have with this boyfriend, this relationship I have with this girlfriend, it's not a right relationship. Because I'm not supposed to be linking myself up in relationships like that with people who don't serve the Lord. It's instructed, Christians are instructed to team up with other Christians, to join together with other Christians. They're asking, what was that last verse? I was reading 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. And you could really read all the way down through 18. So understand something is that as you read the Bible, guess what's happening? God will speak to you and your life 
through his written word, stuff that's already been written. And nobody has to preach a message on it. No prophet has to come and tell it to you. But just as you study, just as you read, it jumps off the page because it's alive. And then you start feeling conviction. To, what are you doing? To make a change in your life based on what you read in the word. So what is God doing? By his spirit, because his spirit and his word agree, by his spirit, he's having you make a life change, a change of direction by the thing that was already written in the word. And so you get conviction and you are led to do something different because of what you read. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. I remember one time I was preaching at a youth camp up in Maine. It was packed with young people. And I said, how many of you here tonight? And it was like one of the first nights. I was like, how many of you here tonight? You're dating somebody that's unsaved. Lift your hand. And you're like 90% of the crowd lifts their hand. I was like, wonderful. Listen, tonight, they thought I was going to say like, we're going to win them to Jesus. I was like, tonight when the service is over, call them and break up with them. Everybody's like, hand goes down. Every hand shot down. And then I pulled out 2 Corinthians 6. Verses 14 through 18, and encouraged them. See, because relationships will make you or break you. Remember this. What if you're living in a, in, 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 you know, for the Lord, and you want to please God with your life, but you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend who refuses to live for God, not saved. Guess what? Guess what's going to happen? They're going to have desires that are different than your desires. Because you want to please God, they want to please themselves. What are you going to do when there's sexual temptation? Well, if you really loved me, we would take this relationship to the next level. What do you do when pressure comes? What do you do when manipulation comes? What do you do when they keep putting that in your ear? Are you going to fold and say, well, you know, I do love them and I do want to stay in this relationship. I do want to go to the next level. What are you going to do? Because remember what I said, your flesh is also fighting against your spirit. Your flesh is also tempted. So what are you going to do? If you're hooked up with somebody that does not want to serve the Lord, they're going to pull you towards sin every day. Because remember this, somebody who's not saved doesn't have the capacity to live free from sin. Doesn't have the capacity to do it. So understand that the Bible is teaching that, and this is what would, this is like an example of something that would con convict your heart and pull you to make a life change is that the written word says, instead of doing all that back and forth and battling and dating relationships and issues, just don't be connected to an unbeliever. And then just by the word of God, just by the word of God, you can then be led by the spirit of God and it leads you into what? Blessing. Leads you into your purpose, keeps you from being destroyed, keeps you from being hurt, keeps you from being broken, so you can be led by hearing his voice in your spirit, or you can be led by the written word of God as you're reading it. And then finally, I'll give you this before I pray for you. The final way that I'm going to teach you today to be led by the spirit of God is to receive a word from a man of God, woman of God, or another believer. Now, I told you that this isn't the primary way because we can hear from the Spirit for ourselves. God will speak to every one of us. But you know what also is awesome? Is that even though there are Christians, here's what you have to remember. All Christians are at different levels of faith. All Christians are at different levels of maturity. And so isn't it nice? Like, for example, isn't it nice that even though my son is four, 
and can't tie his own shoes, I don't look at him and say, you're a human being, tie your own shoes. You're a person. You have hands. You have motor skills. What's your problem? Why can't you tie your own shoes? Like, that's pointless for me to do that. He will be able to one day, right? But what did God do? God gave him parents that can help him, train him up, and show him how to do what's right. So I can actually come down and say, this is how you do it, and show him how to tie the bow and put it through and make it tight. I can teach him. I could yell at my daughter, how come you can't ride a bike without training wheels? What's your problem? You're a human. But that doesn't help. You know why? She's at a different level of development, different level of maturity. Instead of doing that, what did God do? Sends people that help you and teach you and show you the way. Amen. And that's the same in the body of Christ. Not every person sitting in a chair at a church is literally riding at the, the maximum maturity level, maximum faith level. That's why God created the church. The Bible says he set gifts in the church to perfect the saints, which means the saints aren't perfect yet, which means we need the fivefold ministry gifts. We need pastors. We need evangelists. We need apostles and prophets and teachers. We need all of them. What do they do? Perfect the saints. So maybe you've been in the services and you've seen it even at night. In the spirit of God's moving, I may call somebody out, give them a word from the Lord and speak to them, say, say what the Lord has, has for their life. Well, listen, couldn't he just tell that person that thing himself? Yes, of course he could. But this is also why the gifts of the spirit work because sometimes people are at a level in their life, maybe they're discouraged, maybe they're broken, maybe they've been hurt, maybe they're not at the maturity level to hear clearly, maybe their flesh has taken their life over and they don't hear, like I said, not connected to signal. So God will use men and women to come and speak a word to you in faith and then that thing comes into your heart and you receive it and the Holy Spirit confirms it in your own heart and then you're led by the Spirit. Amen. So God uses it to assist you. God uses it to build you up. So he won't just speak to you only and he won't just give you his written word, but sometimes he'll use somebody else to give you a word of encouragement, a word of direction, a word of prophecy, and you'll receive it. Amen. The difference, now catch this, because I'll make this one more time. The difference between Old Testament and New is that if a prophet gave them a word in the Old Testament, it was the end of the game. Because, see, they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't have a direct connection with God. And they depended on the prophets to know the way to go. But, see, in the New Testament, every one of us is filled with the same spirit that anointed those prophets in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost. And so just as clearly as God could speak to them, he can speak to us. Hallelujah. Just as clearly as he could speak to them, he can speak to us. What am I teaching you? That no matter what it is that you're planning to do with your life, you may not, you may, may not be planning to be a minister. Maybe you're going to become a, you know, a, a lawyer. You're going to go into law. Maybe you're going to go into politics. Maybe you're going to go into uh, the medical field. Maybe you're going to go into become a veterinarian. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean God won't lead you and guide you in every single step. God doesn't just lead preachers. He leads every believer to do what they're called to do. And here's what's powerful. God makes, God makes all of his children ministers. Because notice, every one of us has been given the Great Commission. All of us are supposed to win the lost. 
All of us are supposed to heal the sick. All of us are supposed to cast out devils. Every single one of us is empowered to do the work that Jesus did. And so I want you to catch this. Those of you that are watching, those of you that are here, I want you to catch this, that it's so important to be led by the spirit. Cause even in the midst of you being a doctor or a lawyer or a veterinarian or a plumber or whatever it is you're going to do while you're doing what your job is, you can also be doing what your calling is. Hallelujah. You can be doing what your calling is. I mean, think about this. I was talking to Miss Luenda the other night. Maybe she's on the broadcast today. And uh, she works and she does some, some work with re rehabilitation, nursing, all this stuff. And there's people that come through there that are strung out on drugs, OD'd on drugs, all this stuff. People that have issues in their life. And, you know, she's there doing the actual work in the medical center. But she's also full of the Holy Ghost. So while she's ministering to those people by her job doing what she's supposed to do, she also sometimes has that opportunity to minister to them spiritually and to lay her hands on them or to pray for them. And, you know, those start to break down and cry as the power of God's touching them. And in the midst of doing her job, she can also accomplish her purpose. Oh, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And no matter what, you could be a student. You know, when they open schools back up finally and you go back to school, you'll be able to be led by the spirit in school. You'll be able to talk to people in school. I mean, it was that girl in West Virginia just a few years ago who felt the power of God come upon her. And in the hallways of her public high school in Southern West Virginia, she started preaching the gospel to friends in the hallway and the fire of God hit that high school. I don't know if you followed this story at all, but just a couple of years ago and she's preaching in her high school and people are getting saved. Her friends are getting saved. Well, the power of God, now think about it. this ain't a Christian school. It's a public school. The, the school saw that something was happening and said to her, well, you can have like a, a club, like do it like a Bible club or whatever. And so many students started coming to hear the word of God preached and to feel the power of God and get saved that the school had to give her the auditorium of the school to have students come. And soon she was packing the auditorium with the power of God touching the students. And then there was so much. I want you to think about this. It got so big in their public school that the auditorium, man, couldn't even hold what God was doing. And they had to give her the football field and the stands. They moved it out onto the school football field field. It was packed with students, not just from that school, but coming around from other schools. And she started inviting preachers to come preach. And a youth revival broke out in Southern West Virginia. They started having preachers come in and preach the meetings at night until you know what happened? The football field became too small and they had to go rent like a civic center, uh, like auditorium in the city and move it into there. And the power of God swept through amongst the students and the power of God moved. Why? Why did that happen because one girl one student in the school felt the anointing of God to minister to her friends and stood up and began to preach the gospel and watch God move it started at a small level but because she was led by the spirit of God it broke out to a large level and what I'm telling you it's so powerful to see people used by God because they're led by his spirit if you'll just be led by his spirit there's nothing you can't do for the Lord. There's nothing you can't accomplish. There's nothing you can't see take place. The mighty power of the Holy Ghost will use you before it's too late. 
Why do I say too late? Because Jesus is coming back and he's coming back very soon. That's why I want every one of you to be not only filled with the spirit, but I also want you to be led by the spirit. There are people that are filled with the Holy Ghost that are not led by the Holy Ghost. Think about that. There are people, they're filled, they speak in tongues, but they never listen for his voice. They never obey his instructions. I don't want you to just be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to be led by the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, that's what God is going to use you to do. And I want to finish a little bit differently today on this session because I know it's our last morning session, but I want to finish as this is the most important message that I believe you could hear as a, a spirit filled believer. I want to pray for every one of you. I want to lay hands on every one of you and ask God to not only fill you fresh with the Holy ghost, but to let you clearly hear his voice to empower you to accomplish your per, your per, your purpose in life. And let me tell you something. Don't be discouraged. Every person has a purpose. Don't ever look at yourself and think, well, I'm purposeless. No, you're not. If you're saved, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got a powerful purpose upon your life. And I want to pray for every one of you. So I want you to, if you would, stand up on your feet. And if you would, just come to the altar. And if you would, just line up across this altar. Because before we pray, before we close, I want to pray for every single one of you. And you're going to have to probably group in because there's not enough space really for, for the altar for everybody. So just come around to this side if you have to kind of go up. Uh, move all the way down to the wall, if you will, because we got people. There we go. Yeah, just kind of spread out because we have probably too many for the altar area. But yeah, come in just one line, shoulder to shoulder. Those of you that are watching, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God that in these final moments of time before Jesus comes back, that the Lord would anoint you with his fire to do what you're called to do and to accomplish your purpose. It does listen listen once again. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your age. You might be watching on the broadcast and you're 70, 80 years old and think my time's up. It's not up. You can never be past your prime if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You can never be past your prime if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? So I want you to lift your hands if you would. And those that are online want you to lift your hands because the power of God is going to touch every one of us today. And this is the way I want to finish this week of, of day sessions is to see God touch us for us to receive an impartation from his spirit. Cause that's really the most important thing. It's the really, it's the most important thing. It's not just about God using preachers. It's about God using believers. And every one of us is empowered and in position to be used by God. Can you say amen? So every hand lifted, I'm going to lay my hands upon you. And I want to pray for every person first that's watching. Father, I thank you for every faithful person. Every faithful person that's watching this broadcast or maybe listening later on the podcast. And I'm asking you today to fill them fresh with the fire of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name, that you would empower us to accomplish our purpose. Lord, I pray you give us a boldness like we've never had to accomplish the mighty purpose that you've placed upon our life. Souls will be saved in Jesus' name. Lord, even these young ones. Let them come up in the power of God. Use them mightily for your glory in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you'd give every one of us open ears, open eyes to not only hear and see, but to have the boldness to do 
what we've been called to do. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, open doors for these young people. I pray you give them opportunity after opportunity, hallelujah, to be used by your spirit. Lord, I pray that many will come into the kingdom because of their faithfulness. In Jesus' name, fresh fire of the Holy Ghost come upon every one of them. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, thank you that you're using them, that you've called them, that you've set them apart. In Jesus' name, I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would keep them from harm and danger. Keep them from every wicked attack of the devil. Keep, from, keep them from relationships that would cause them to be broken. In Jesus' name, keep them from sickness and disease. Use them for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you, Lord, that you have brought them into the kingdom and that from this day forward, a new and fresh anointing power of God is coming upon them. Thank you, Jesus, for a hungry generation. Thank you, Lord, for a generation of people that will not compromise what the word of God says in the wonderful name that's above every name. In Jesus' wonderful name, receive it, receive it, receive it. Lord, keep them from temptation. Keep them living holy in Jesus' name and use every one of us. I pray for those watching. God, let this be the greatest four months that they've ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that it, you would bless them so abundantly that it would turn the heads of natural men and women, that they would see the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Use them for your glory. Let this be a year where revival hits our churches in America. Let this be a year where the Spirit of God sweeps through this country and destroys every wicked antichrist agenda by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you, Lord. This is our greatest hour to be used by your spirit. Jesus is coming and we will not stop until we see what you have planned for this final generation. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody shout aloud, amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Listen, for those of you that are watching online, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do exactly what NFL Sports Talk on YouTube does not want you to do. Exactly what Willis McGahee on YouTube does not want you to do. I'm going to ask you to sow a seed into this ministry. If you're blessed by it, I love that. Alex, scroll back up to that comment. That, that, that cracked me up. Do, do not let your children around this man. Do not sign any paperwork or documents with him. <laughs> do not give him money. The caps lock button is stuck on. Do not, do, do not disclose financial information to this false teacher. <laughs> I love it. Do not tell this man personal information. Do not let your children near. Do not disclose my information to this demon. And so I'm going to ask every one of you that are watching today or listening on the podcast to do exactly that. <laughs> Nick Hancher says on YouTube, NFL Sports Talk, I've signed many documents. What should I do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love being trolled by people that have like zero followers on YouTube. You check their account and it's like zero videos, zero followers. It's just like no, no profile picture. It's just like a silhouette with an orange background and a white silhouette. It's like people have just made up like uh, accounts to harass people online. It's one of my favorite things of all time. 
My favorite is a couple weeks ago when the guy kept calling me a liar on the broadcast, but he kept spelling it L-I-E-R, <laughs> which, which just means a person who lies down. <laughs> He's like, he is a liar, liar, you are a liar. I love it. I love it. So thank you. Listen, we're going to give you an opportunity. And then tonight we're going to be back here again. I'm just going to say this. You're probably going to want to show up early because it has been jam packed. And I, I drove in last night and the parking lots, not only this one and that one, but the one out back here, people were um, parked all the way down and then out straight into the grass because it's just, I mean, God's, God's touching us here at this meeting and people are hungry. People are coming from everywhere. I mean, you see the, the, the church is packed, the overflow room is packed and tonight I believe is going to be even bigger. So we're going to have to start figuring out places to put people. I mean, we, we may have to open the doors and sit people in the lobby or something. Cause I'm telling you people are hungry, huh? They're starting to do that already. I'm telling you people are hungry. NFL sports talk. This man will manipulate your wives. <laughs> How many of you have wives? No. Okay. Um, I love it. Anything else I can say? Uh, but thank you. Listen, here's the way. If you really want to make NFL sports talk angry and William McGahee angry, you can always go to miracleword.com and you can click on the give tab or the partner tab and you can set up a monthly seat. If you'd like to, to partner with us, you can always use cash app or Venmo. Uh, the username is MWGive. Also, you can use PayPal. Uh, info at miracleword.com is the email to give via PayPal. Um, and we appreciate everybody that's doing that. If you're watching on Facebook or Periscope or Twitter, you can even do hashtag donate in the comments section. And so right in the comments, <laughs> this man is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is using deceit among many women in your church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> living waterway. Ashley Melton said, so you're saying I shouldn't sign my house over to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys, man. Thank you for hanging with us today. Great crowd on, um, yeah, that's what another person said about me. You look like an unsuccessful cult leader. <laughs> you look like you have a really small cult somewhere. Um, but we love you, man. We, we, we thank you so much for, uh, for hanging with us. Listen, I've enjoyed ministering to you guys every single day and I'm proud of you. I'm excited for a generation like yours that's very hungry. I mean, you wouldn't be here in the morning um, hearing, preaching, teaching if you weren't hungry. People that are watching online, you wouldn't be watching and staying hungry if you weren't ready to do something great for the Lord. And I thank God for every one of you, minus NFL Sports Talk and William McGahee. But I, I'm proud of every one of you. And I'm telling you, we're stepping into the greatest days we've ever seen. You guys believe that? Greatest days we've ever seen. And I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in these uh, final moments of 2020. Last four months, they're going to be glorious. Amen. Let me pray a blessing over you before we go. Father, thank you for every person watching, those that are here. Lord, bless them as we go. We thank you that angels are watching over us, taking care of us. We thank you that you've protected us supernaturally. No sickness, no disease can come near our dwelling place. We thank you that you're blessing us abundantly. Lord, for every person that's sowing seed, we thank you that our harvest is coming back to them in Jesus' name. We give you 
glory and praise for your goodness. Thank you for calling us into the kingdom. Thank you for making us your children. We praise you. We love you. We give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap your hands and shout amen. We love you. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.